Good morning, everyone. I'm Pastor Joe's wife and Joe and Nathan's mom. I'm also a counselor and the adult ministry director here at Faith. Welcome to all of our moms here and online. We are so glad we get to worship together today. Well, first, I want to give our dads and our kids in the room a last-minute gift idea. On June 12th, we are going to be hosting a women's retreat called If Gathering, and this is going to be a great day for our moms. They have been very busy homeschooling or virtual schooling, and we're going to get together on June 12th. So if you want a last-minute gift idea, this is a great one. Go to our, our website for more information. Women ages 18 and older are invited. At Faith, we do something very special on Mother's Day. We celebrate all women. We know each of you put on display a very unique part of the image of God. You each nurture someone as a small group leader, a friend, a sister, or a mother. And we are so very thankful for you. After service, please find one of our welcome team members' hosts to get a small gift of chocolate and a bookmark. If you have a food allergy, go to the person at the welcome desk and they will help you out. Well, all of us wonder sometimes why we don't see the transformation in our life that Jesus promises to us. We wonder why we don't see that transformation in the people we love. We wonder, where is this full life that Jesus describes in John 10.10 when he says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. We want the joy and the peace and the direction no matter what's happening in the world around us. We want to experience this full life Jesus describes as moms, and we desperately want that full life for our children. Well, there may be two reasons why we might not be experiencing that full life. The first, quite honestly, is we might be reading our Bibles wrong. I certainly was until I was 19 years old. At seven, a bus came and picked me up and took me to this sweet little church. And, a, and a, a high school student taught me about Jesus on the bus. And she taught me about being a missionary in Haiti and how happy she was to be a missionary. And I really wanted to be a missionary at that point. She also talked to me that Jesus wanted to be my best friend and that he wanted to talk to me and that he would actually um, wanted me to talk to him too. And so at that point, I asked Jesus to be my best friend. I asked him to come and live in my heart, to forgive me when I messed up. And boy, at seven, did I mess up. If there was a boundary to push, I pushed it. If there was a mess to make, I made it. After I asked Jesus to come and live in my heart, I felt peace, I felt joy, and I knew I was forgiven. But I did not learn how to read the Bible until much later in my life because we didn't attend church regularly. If I had a problem, what I would do is I would take my Bible and I would open it up, maybe some of you have done this too, and I would close my eyes and put my finger to a place on the page and I would hope that it would land somewhere on something that would encourage me. This is much like taking a long letter someone wrote to you and putting your finger on a page and hoping you find something encouraging. Obviously not the best way to read a letter. We should read it from start to finish, looking for who the author was and what their purpose was for writing it. So eventually in my life, I realized that's what I should do. So I started reading the Bible from start to finish, and I tried to do that multiple times, and I would get you guessed it, to about numbers, and I would stop. I would get frustrated and confused, and I finally decided I should just let the teachers teach me, right? And maybe some of you are thinking that too. 
or sadly, maybe some of you have walked away completely. Well, there's a better way to read the Bible for yourself and to hear directly from God, from his word every day, not just on Sunday. This will change your relationship with the Bible, and more importantly, it will change your relationship with Jesus. Reading the Bible in this way, in the way it was intended to be read, will make this more than a task. It will make it about a relationship, and it will transform your life. So why did God preserve this Bible for us? It was written over 4,000 years ago, and now we have kept it for us, and what's the purpose? Some people think it's only basic instructions before leaving earth. If that's all it is, then we'll continue to read it for behavior modification and checking the boxes. Side note, this is one of the many reasons young people are leaving the church today. They are approaching the Bible and they have been taught a moralistic and academic faith, a faith more about gaining knowledge than relationship, a try-harder faith, which, which results in them thinking, well, now I've gained all the knowledge I need to gain, so now I can graduate. It's just like school, right? I get to graduate. Well, the Bible is full of wisdom for us to follow. That is not the main reason it was written. So if it's not the main reason it, it was written, what is it? Well, the Bible itself tells us the main reason, and the answer has a lot to do with transformation. In Romans 12, it says, Do not any longer be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be renewed by the renewing of your minds and be transformed. Then you will know God's will. The modern translation of Romans 12 reads, Stop listening to the world's message about you and who you are and who I am. Start listening to my message about who I am and who you are. The modern translation is so much better than, um, than any translation that we may put in about the world. So John tells us God's purpose in writing these things is so that we may believe, and believing we may have life. And in Joe tells us that we are to look at the word believe as trust. So if you read it that way, but these things are written that you may trust that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by trusting you may have life in his name. So clearly the Bible was written as a long letter to us so that we would trust in Jesus and have life, so that we would be renewed and be transformed and know God's will for us, his good will for us. In addition to the purpose, there is a theme found throughout the Bible and it unifies the Bible. It is found in John 1, 14. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All things were made through him, and in him was life. So here again is the life that we are looking for. Here's again the life that we want. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as the Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And John goes on to tell us the word became flesh. We literally got to see God's glory walk the earth. So the word was with God in the beginning and the word was in God and he was with God. He came in grace and truth. The word grace and truth is kesed in Hebrew. The Jewish people listening to John would know immediately that John was claiming Jesus was God. And they would think of Moses and Abraham and David and all the stories of the patriarchs and prophets. 
and Ruth and the long history of Israel and God's chesed for them. They would think of Adam and Eve and how they hid in the garden and still his reckless love, his chesed love found them and cared for them. And when God passed in front of Moses and Moses described God's character, his character as merciful, slow to anger, gracious, abounding in steadfast, chesed love and faithfulness. Or Abraham went over and over again. Abraham and Sarah did the exact opposite of what God asked for them. But still, he kept his covenant to them and to his promises to them to make them a great nation, blessing the whole world, us, through them by bringing the Messiah through his family line. Kesed is the anthem song of Israel, and Kesed is the theme of the entire Bible. The covenants God establishes with Israel come from God's Kesed. His loving kindness results in the covenants. The promise of his attachment, his loyal love to us. Even when we are not loyal, he is. This is what a good parent does. And this is what a good mother does. And we learned it from our good, good father. In Jesus' days, the scholars, the Pharisees, they would hear Jesus claiming to come in Kesed, and they would think of the Psalms, the Psalms that talk about lament, the cries of grief, a very intimate form of worship. They transitioned to praise with one word, the word Kesed. I will sing to the Lord. To, of the Lord's great love, his kessed forever. With my mouth I will make your faithfulness known through all generations. Psalm 89 was written by Ethan, the Ezraite, whose job it was literally to proclaim God's kessed. The psalm goes on to talk about Ethan's despondency over the world and his depression over his own life. Ethan says, how long, O Lord, will this trouble last? In the end, he makes a commitment to praise God for his kessed forever. My breakthrough, your breakthrough, your children's breakthrough hinges on this one word, the word hesed. It does not hinge on our troubles passing, which is good for us to know because we know we will have trouble. Today, earlier, when we were singing of reckless love, God's reckless love, we're singing of his kessed love. We are saying, surely, goodness and mercy, God's great love, his kessed, will, will go with us. We're singing what King David said when he said, surely, goodness and mercy, kessed, God's reckless, kind, loyal, attached love, shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Scholars say kesed is the most important word of the Hebrew Bible and maybe the entire Bible. Kesed is the defining characteristic of God. Our God claims he is kind. He is the God who delights in being kind, in loving his creation, and in forgiving us. We have no right to expect anything from him. The great surprise of the Bible is not that God is awesome or holy or just. We would come to expect those things of God. The great surprise of the Bible is that he is kind. He is a God of kessed. This is what fundamentally makes him different than any other God then or now. Now it is challenging to translate the word kessed into English. Kessed is a love that cannot be sentimentalized. 
It has attributes of strength, steadfastness, loyalty, and devotion. It has been translating loving kindness, mercy, steadfast love, compassion, goodness, great kindness, favor, and grace. Kesed is a love that is said when keeping one's promises. It is a faithful love. Kesed goes beyond what is expected or deserved. It is love in action. It is attached love. God, the creator of the universe, is attached to us. It's personal. We are his children. What he wants more than anything else is for us to be attached to him. In the New Testament, Kesed is most often translated mercy. Jesus says it like this, but I go and learn what it means. I desire mercy, attached love, more than sacrifice, for I have not come to the righteous, but sinners. Jesus says that our Heavenly Father has two desires for his chesed love. The first is that is returned to him, and the second is that we give what we have received. Love, chesed, be attached to, be loyal to, be devoted to the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love, chesed, be attached to, be devoted to, be loyal to your neighbors as yourself. In his book, Renovated, Dr. Jim Wilder, a neuropsychologist, explains the power of chesed love and attachment. He says, Christianity has tended to focus on right beliefs and right choices as the, the key to personal transformation. But biblical evidence and modern, modern brain science show that our character is shaped more by whom we love and whom we attach to than what we believe. So as moms and dads, as grandmas and grandpas, we are to live out our relationship with Jesus in a way they see our attachment to Jesus, our love for Jesus, our worship of Jesus. We want to invite them to be attached to Jesus too. Our transformation and our friend's transformation and our children's transformation is not based on learning a set of imperatives. It's based on being attached to Jesus. Elise Fitzpatrick says it this way, the sinful heart is never transformed by conformity to the imperatives, but only by relationship with the one who cleanses hearts. My simple seven-year-old faith that Jesus is my best friend, that he gave his life for mine, my creator and heavenly father, Kessid, loves me. First and foremost, I am his daughter. Above and beyond how I perform in any role as a mom, a counselor, a friend, I am his daughter. Moms, you are his daughters and you are dearly loved. You are all his sons and daughters. This is unconditional love. This is the upside down kingdom. You do not earn his love. It is given freely. What we behold, we become. Who we attach to transforms us. The Bible is where we discover who we are, who God is, who the Holy Spirit is, and who Jesus is. This is where we have to really be honest with ourselves. If we detect in ourselves anything that is different than this chesed love, if we think and we define our God or ourselves by anything other than this chesed love, we need to ask God to show us. Only then can we be transformed into a people that give and receive his chesed love. This leads us to the second reason why we might not be experiencing the transformation we want in the life he wants for us. We were intended to do life together. 
We were not intended to do this life unattached. I come to understand that my walk with God and your walk with God is a community project. This is the reason community is so important. This is the reason small groups are so important. They are how we experience attached love. Our journey is through a deeply fallen and hurting world. We will need close relationships to live out this full life, this attached life that God wants for us. Acts gives us an amazing picture of how the first church did this, how they loved one another. In Acts 1.15, we're told that about 120 believers gathered at Pentecost. Then Peter testifies that God sent Jesus to show his love for us that Jesus was the real Messiah that they had been waiting for for all of those years. The people asked, what should we do? And Peter responds, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Every day they continued to meet together in temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those that were being saved. These 3,000 met, just like we are, for worship together. And they also met in their homes to gather in small groups. The life God wants for us, the life found in him, is a life attached to him and attached to one another. Well, as 2021 and 2021 has shown us, 2020 and 2021 has shown us, this life is not without its challenges or its conflicts. So how are we going to go through this life, through the challenges, through the conflicts, and still attached to each other? The Bible tells us we are to submit to one another and accept one another. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Accept one another then just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. As children, we are designed to be brothers and sisters with one another, not enemies. This means when we disagree, we agree to disagree while remaining in relationship with one another, while remaining brothers and sisters. And because Chesed love is so important to our Heavenly Father. He gives us three illustrations of when Chesed love is not shown. Jonah, the older brother and the unforgiving servant. Jonah refuses to give God's message to the Ninevites. He does not want them to repent and be saved. As a result, at the end we find Jonah depressed due to his unwillingness to show the same Chesed that he personally experienced. In the parable of the unforgiving servant, Jesus is clear. Because our Heavenly Father has Kessid loved us, we have no right not to offer Kessid to one another. And in the parable of the prodigal son, the older brother does not celebrate with his father when the younger brother returns. So the older brother does not show Kessid to his father or to his brother, and by doing so, cuts off his relationship with the father. Kessid truly is the theme of the Bible and because it is the heart of our Heavenly Father. And when we see it, it moves our hearts as well. In Ann Arbor, Michigan, in 1996, Keisha Thomas showed up at a rally of the Ku Klux Klan to protest. Keisha and her friends were in a separate fenced-off area. 
when a clansman inadvertently wandered into the group. Someone shouted, there's a clansman, and they started retaliating. Keisha then threw herself into the crowd, putting her body between herself and the clansman, in the process saving the clansman's life. At that moment, someone took a picture that became the Time Life photo of the year. Keisha's radical act of courage gave birth and inspired thousands to live a life of reconciliation and forgiveness. This is Kessid love. This man had no right to expect anything from Keisha, but she treated him like a brother. The Bible reveals a God of Kessid who has opened the door of his life to you and me. We are responsible for the death of his son, and still he covered us with his body and his blood. We have no right to expect anything from him, and yet he opens the door of his life and invites us into his world. Our story becomes part of his story. He has opened his life to the inevitable possibility of being hurt, disappointed, and wounded by you and me. If we read the Bible as a love letter from God written to a lost child wandering around a dangerous world, looking for love in all the wrong places, we will discover this God that is so kind and so good, this God that wants nothing more than to have a relationship with us. He has given us everything he has to offer as a sign of his cussed love. Right now, we're going to sing a beautiful song called Talking with Jesus, which is all about moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas teaching their littles to be attached to Jesus. And I know what all the moms in the room and online at home want more than anything else, more than recognition, more than flowers, more than gifts, is for you to talk with Jesus. My hope is that the Holy Spirit will give you faith and that you will ask Jesus to be your best friend. That you will ask him to forgive you for doing and saying things that make you his enemy sometimes. That you would just ask him to be with you every day. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for sending Jesus. Thank you, for Jesus, for taking the punishment of our sins. Thank you for dying for us that when we are enemies of you and enemies of one another and not brothers and sisters, when we say and do things we wish we hadn't, that you forgive us, hear us as we pray. for dying in my place. Thank you for forgiving me. Come and live in my heart. Be my best friend. Holy Spirit, please help us to accept one another, to stay attached to one another, to love one another the way you have shown us to love. In Jesus' name, amen.